This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gooners all back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Arsenal Transfer Show, our show in which we look at the latest Arsenal transfers, give you the latest insight and news into all of the ongoings at the club and get your thoughts and comments and reaction, of course, too. Um, now, I don't know what's going on with this green screen today. I don't know you can see this awful kind of effect going on here. It's just having a bad day. I don't really know why. I can't, I can't work it out. So apologies if there's any interference behind me. It's getting a little bit crazy. I don't really get why it's doing it, but it is. I'm going to push it back. I feel like it might be the shell. I don't know. It's having a really weird day, and I don't know why. So apologies if there is any interference behind me, because it's it's just a little bit strange at the moment. Um, anyway, moving on. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're well. Um, and, of course, looking forward to a weekend without Arsenal, which is probably something that a lot of us need right now, to be honest. Uh, that's, that's ultimately what we're wanting in life. It's just a weekend that we can try and enjoy without football. We won't have to have to do that, of course, for a while with... Obviously, the season coming to an end and the European Championships coming up, we can get our teeth sunk into some football that we can support that's not necessarily Arsenal. So that is going to be good as well. Let's kick on with our first story of the day. Of course, if you are um, kind of looking at this deal and you're looking at these these stories, please make sure you're tuning in every single morning at 8am UK time and you can drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new. So the first story we're going to look at is this guy, Joachim Anderson, of course, has come up in the media a couple of times and it's crept up over the last few days as maybe a centre-back target for Arsenal moving into uh, an actual kind of realistic bid from the Gunners. Now, the fee being surrounding this guy is around £20 million, which, considering how good he was last season, is actually a pretty good deal. Uh, And so, obviously, to give you guys kind of the insight that we need a little bit later on this afternoon, you're going to be getting a tactical breakdown specifically on 
uh, Joachim Anderson. Uh, we're going to be getting some thoughts from uh, a good Fulham fan who works for Football Daily. Of course, I'm sure a lot of you follow on social media as well. So I'm looking forward to giving you that content this afternoon to give you a really good look into who Joachim Anderson is, what the type of player he is, how good he is, and if he would fit at Arsenal as well. So that's kind of Anderson. We'll talk more of a discussion-based thing when we do the show a little bit later on, so I will skip past that. Now, the next interesting story, and there's not too many stories uh, going on uh, at the moment, but this is one that is growing of a little bit of pace. Sander Berg, the Norwegian midfielder, which has an interesting price surrounding him. We're not 100% sure if the stories are true at this stage. We still need some more evidence to kind of suggest that that is certainly the case. But the, the projected figure supposedly dropped from £40 million of a buyout clause to around £12 million because Sheffield United got relegated. If that is the case, I have no doubt in my mind that there will be absolutely loads of teams interested in taking Sanderberg next season for that fee because it's an absolute snip in this, in this transfer market with top quality midfielders, not necessarily rare to find, but certainly ones that are rare at this type of price. Arsenal are one of the teams that are believed to be very interested in Sanderberg as well. And Arsenal actually have uh, a, a, not necessarily an ace up their sleeve because he's not even their player, but there are links with Sanderberg to Martin Erdegaard. Um And of course, these two are compatriots, they're international teammates, and these two have an interesting link because if Arsenal managed to sign Martin Odegaard, there's no guarantees that both of them come, of course, but they are good friends. Um, and we know Arsenal, we like to have our little duo friendships. We know about Aubameyang and Lacazette, of course. And apparently Odegaard has told people close to him that he is very happy at Arsenal and he kind of wants to continue at the club. And even that he has bought into the process, believe it or not. So this could be something that helps a deal with Sander Berg that makes it a place that he wants to move to. He obviously moved to a very new environment with Sheffield United. He could move to Arsenal and have a lot more familiarity, that's the word I'm looking for, around him. And maybe that would certainly help with getting a deal for Sander Berg uh, over the line. Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat box regarding the Norwegian midfielder. Uh, Wilson says, I believe that Basuma and Berger would be brilliant signings for Arsenal, to be honest. I'm glad that you've used both of them because this is what I think about the Berger deal. Is that if it's a case where it's 12 million quid on its own, there is no reason why Arsenal can't then go out and add another number eight, number six type of midfielder to the team. It makes no sense to go out and just spend 12 million alone on this guy. And I think it would be the perfect move for Arsenal to use as not only depth, but adding real quality to the team too, with very little risk for the amount of money that's being paid for him as well. So Hill says uh, Arteta's assistant was uh, his, his his coach at, at Genk and they have worked together and he speaks very highly of him. So that's also another level of familiarity that it does. Social says, I just saw that it dropped to 35. Yeah, apparently that, that was kind of the first level that we were told from 45 to 35, but the latest info is that it drops even more than that and considerably so. So if it is the case, which still needs to be 100% confirmed, then 
I don't see any reason why Arsenal wouldn't go in for a 12 million bid because it's absolutely ridiculous. Wesley says, for 12 million, we can get Berger and still have money for Basuma. Thank you, Philly. Good to have you in the chat box. Uh, Thomas says, uh, Florentino Perez won't want to do business with us after the Europe European Super League. Erdogan is going back. Thomas, the I understand your theory. Believe me, it makes complete sense. Why would Perez want to do any business with any club that was involved in the Super League? The problem with this is that Real Madrid can't necessarily do that because Real Madrid are in a hell of a lot of debt right now. They're about to be in a hell of a lot more debt because they've got to pay back illegal state aid that's been paid to them over the considerable amount of years. And so to do that, they are going to need to raise funds. They cannot afford to be stubborn. They cannot afford to isolate themselves into the trio of them, Barcelona and Juventus. It's it's a myth that they would not be open to selling to some of the clubs. It's football, it's business, it's what happens. It is just a situation that they find themselves in that they will have to sell players to necessary to clubs. And also in the future, if they were to be that stubborn, that then cuts them off from signing any players from any of those nine teams. It would break down relationships. And Arsenal and Real Madrid actually have a very good relationship in, in regards to transfers because we've done business over uh, the recent past two. So. I don't think it would make any sense for them to cut off Arsenal in any way. Let's uh, go. Hold on a second. I'm about to. Am I? Yes. No. You know that moment when you think you're going to sneeze. <laughs> you can feel it coming on. And then as soon as you say you're going to sneeze, it just goes away. Oh, dear. That was a moment. I just feel it building inside me. It's gone. Um, at all, says, watch. I'm going to do it in a second. Uh, I think Kroenke will spend £100 million this summer and additional £60 million from player sales. If you have £160 million and have to buy six players, whom will you buy? I mean, it's a big question. That one. We do plan on doing quite a few shows when the season's finished about overall trans transfer business kind of work and how much we would spend on certain players and what we could do with a certain budget. And I'm going to do it with some other people and get their thoughts and some personalities on Twitter as well, which should be quite fun to build our own kind of perfect Arsenal summer transfer window. So make sure you stick around on the channel because those videos will certainly be coming. Um... Let's scroll down a little bit more. Matt G says, uh, Berger is six foot five. It's been a long time since we've had someone that imposing in our midfield. And you're not wrong, mate. Absolutely so. You're not wrong. Let's scroll down to the next story, which, of course, involves this guy. Alexander Lacazette has been at the club for what feels like a very long time now. And I, I obviously, I like the guy. I think he's been... A very decent servant for us. He, he probably hasn't, and it's probably not unfair to say that he hasn't justified the fifty million pounds that we paid for him, and he maybe hasn't fulfilled that potential. But what he has done at Arsenal is that I think he's become quite a vocal presence in the dressing room. He's been one of the more senior players now in the group, and we have a decision to make—a real big decision to make—because we have signed obviously Pierre and Kabamiang up to a. A three-year or two-year extension, we should say, and it puts us in a situation where we are committed to paying this guy a lot of money, and that amount of money is is very similar to the Mesut Özil situation. It's very similar to getting into a, a situation which is uncomfortable for Arsenal. I'm struggling to kind of get the words out around this deal because it's so difficult to talk about um, and it frustrates the hell out of me that Arsenal commit to the kind of these really long-term big deals. And I don't want to come across as a hypocrite as well, which we'll talk about in a second. But Arsenal have offered Lacazette as the deal that's on the table a one-year extension. 
Now, as Clive, I saw put in the chat box earlier on, this is something that I've been talking about for a little bit, about the, the smart way I think that we do this. I put a tweet out yesterday saying, Lacazette, one-year deal, good decision. It's just my opinion, for starters. You don't have to agree with it. Um, I, I think this is change. This is a sign of, of change for Arsenal. This is Arsenal not doing the Ozil, not doing the Aubameyang, not doing the Willian types of situations where we offer a silly contract to a player that is not going to give you back what you're offering them. He has a deal that runs out at the end of next season for nothing, which means we lose him anyway. If you extend his situation by a year, it gives time, in my view, not only to that. Anyway, I'm going to get distracted because I want to go into some kind of the pros and cons of, of the deal, and I've actually done this. So let's let's talk about the pros and cons, and then I'll get your thoughts in the chat box as well. So the pros are for me, it's just one year, as we are just talking about there. It's, it's important that that's highlighted. The fact that we are just doing this, it's not extending us beyond what we can commit to. If he drops off in this year and we realise it wasn't necessarily the best choice, we can just move him on with a year left on his deal or the worst comes to the worst as you keep him as backup for another year. You're not committed to the contracts that we've given to Aubameyang and Ozil and, of course, Willian as well. You're not committed to those. And in my mind, it shows a change. It shows a shift in the way that Arsenal are approaching their contract situations, which, of course, Richard Garlick coming in from the Premier League is going to be heavily involved in. Maybe he has been consulted on this situation as well. And it just makes sense. I don't want to see Arsenal handing big contracts to 30-plus players anymore. As soon as a player turns 30, this is what Chelsea do. They offer one-year deals. It's very rare they make an exception. They did for Willian, and they offered him a two-year deal, which he turned down because he wanted three, which we then gave to him. But the point is that Arsenal need to go down this route of when a player turns 30, you offer them a one-year extension. If they don't if they don't want to do it, they can go. Um, it's as simple as that for me. The alternatives for Lacazette. Now, we talk about names like we've already been linked to the likes of Moussa Dembele for 25 million, who I don't think is any better than Lacazette by a long distance. The likes of Edouards, Ivan Toni comes up. I've suggested the likes of Yusuf Naziri uh, from Sevilla. Other people talk about uh, Val Veghorst. We've been linked to gang striker Yeremchuk. We've been linked to uh, Ollie Watkins in the past. And, of course, he then went to Aston Villa. We've been linked to a lot of strikers. And the thing about strikers is if you want a good one, you're going to be paying a good amount of money. And Arsenal, notoriously, do not spend loads in a single window that often. Across a long period of time, we've spent quite a bit. But we don't spend loads, specifically on individual players. The max you see us go up to is like 50 million. And when we do that, we don't often do it several times. It's not like Chelsea going out and buying Werner and Havertz and... Uh, and Ziyech and like that. We don't really do that. What we do is we'll go out and sign one kind of marquee player and then we might go out and add another 20 million, 30 million, another 20 million, another 15 million, a couple of frees, a loan deal. We do it like that. So the, the, the realistic situation is, is that the striker that you bring in is going to be probably your marquee player that's going to cost you a significant fee to get into the club, even if it's around the 30 million pound mark. And for the strikers that are out there at the moment that I've kind of talked about, your Edwards, your 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 Tonys, they're all in and around kind of the same age bracket as well, your 23 to 25 age range. And I look at that and I go, if we're going to sign a 23 to 25-year-old striker and we've just given Fuller and Balogun a five-year deal, how much more are these guys going to give us? And how much are they going to block the path of these guys? 
it's not like I don't want people to thinking that I don't want to sign a striker because it's going to block the path of Balogun. Because I because to, to justify that choice for me, the striker that you bring in has to be considerably better than Lacazette. And you're making the decision to go what this person's going to give us over the five-year contract that we give them is going to be worth it. And you're going to still be able to bed in Balogun over a five-year contract. They wouldn't have given Balogun that contract if they didn't believe they were going to be embedding him into the team and, and, and gradually getting him in more minutes and maybe with the vision of one day becoming our main striker. And when I say that, I mean in like two years' time, not five years' time at the end of his deal. I'm talking in the next couple of years, becoming a regular in the Arsenal first team. If you sign a 23 to 25-year-old, it makes no sense, especially when we've got to focus on right back, we've got to focus on backup goalkeeper, maybe even main goalkeeper, backup left back, central midfield, attacking midfield, and maybe even a wide player at this point, who knows. We've got so many other areas of the pitch that we need to focus on. We don't have the ability to go out and invest and overhaul all of those positions in one window. So if you can keep Lacazette, who, if we're honest, has been our best striker this season by a distance. He's been far better than Aubameyang this season. And he's been way better than anyone else we've been able to have at the club. And he isn't going to... Uh, I talked about Balogun there. And I don't think he's going to... People talk about, oh, he's only going to decline from here. I think that's a load of rubbish. To be as blunt as feasibly possible, I think it's a load of rubbish to turn around and say, Lacazette is going to decline from the age of 30 to 31 considerably that we would make a decision to get rid of him. Lacazette's style is not like a Bamiya. He's not a, he's not a striker that revolves around sprinting and loads of athleticism in his game. Things that you associate with a player that would drop off. And also, we're in 2021. Players don't decline from the age of 30 to 31. If any if any reason stands true, and if you look at the top strikers in the world, and I mean the top top ones, you're looking at Karim Benzema, you're looking at Lewandowski. They're improving into their 30s. And I know that they're on a different level, but they are examples to show you that strikers don't just drop off a cliff when they hit the magic number 30. So it's not an excuse to turn around and say, he's going to decline, he's hit 30, he's nearly 30, why are we giving him a one-year deal? It's a load of rubbish. It's, it's, not, it's not something I give any credence to because most of the strikers, the really top ones, the good ones, and even not necessarily even the really good ones are, I mean, you look at Cavani this season for Man United. Just because you hit 30 doesn't mean you're going to drop off a cliff. And I don't think Lacazette's going to do that either. And I actually think he's been one of the more standout players in a very poor season for us as well. Um, it's not like Aubameyang. I look at Aubameyang's style, how he is, his stature, his athleticism, how he plays. That striker is more akin to someone I would be more open to the idea of saying he's not going to give you anywhere near as much as he was in his late 20s. But Lacazette's style... Someone who likes to drop in, pick up the ball, play it on, hold it up, get into the box, hold players off, not relying on loads of, of bundles of energy for his game, to do quick turns, quick movement in the box and strike it in the top right-hand corner. That's That doesn't require the same things as you'd look at for a Bamiyang style. So that's not an excuse to say that he's going to decline. It's just a load of... It's, it's, a rub, it's rubbish. It's a rubbish. <laughs> it's a rubbish. <laughs> um, anyway, focus money on the other areas we've kind of touched upon was the other pro. Let's look at the other side of the argument and, and let's be fair. There is an element of risk in, in any contract. If you give a contract to a player, it could not work out. Mesa Ozil is a prime example of that situation. Now, a one-year extension, I don't necessarily see a huge wage increase on a one-year extension. 
um, to be honest. And he's nowhere near, he's not, I don't think he's that close to £200,000 per week, to be honest. I don't think he would cross that boundary either, especially after this season and the pandemic as well, where they all took a wage cut. So I don't think that's the case. Um, but there's always a risk that it wasn't that it wouldn't work out with any contract. But there's also a risk of any transfer that you bring in as well. Now, Balogun and Gabby, one of the other other kind of arguments that have been put forward is that actually signing up Lacazette in himself is blocking the path anyway of Balogun and blocking the path of Gabriel Martinelli. And some people would say that we shouldn't be bringing in a striker whatsoever because we should be allowing these two to flourish and get more minutes. Now, personally, I don't see Gabriel Martinelli as a striker in the future at the mo- at this moment in time. He might prove me wrong in the future, but I just don't see it. I think he's a wide player. I think he's someone who's got more of a wide forward, a goal-scoring wide forward that can put a good ball into the box, that's tenacious on the wings, can run up and down the flank, provide defensive cover for the left-back. That's what I look at Gabriel Martinelli and I go, that's what he's about. He's not, a, he's not a striker in an Arsenal system for me. He's not an adept finisher right now. He's someone that gives you loads of energy in the wide areas. That's what I look at Martinelli for. I don't look at him as a number nine. It's, it, I just can't see it. He's your seven or 11 in the team, and it's as simple as that. Balogun is of an age at 19 that he doesn't. he's not going to be thrown in next season and be the starting striker for every single game. You give Lacazette a contract extension, so he's here for two more years maximum. Balogun's got the opportunity to be on the bench, to come off the bench and play in games, to be the main striker in the cup competitions, and maybe even if there's a couple of injuries, and you, of course, Aubameyang's going off to the African Cup of Nations in January. That's for me, is is another perfect period where you've got time to, to implement Balogun, to put him into the team and to integrate him into the setup. I think Lacazette personally helps that scenario. But I want to highlight the point because some people have said that. A lack of change. Um, I've used this because obviously people love a new toy <laughs> is the best way of putting it. People love uh, a new player, something different in the hope that it will change things. Um, when actually sometimes change can come through your own team and just by adding in certain other areas on the pitch to influence and emphasize how good your current and existing players are. That's why when you talk about kind of building around a player, and I'm not saying that we should build around Lacazette, but I'm saying he's a player on the pitch that I don't think is actually not really giving us, or rather he's not giving enough that you would make a decision on his future. And I don't think that the striking position at this moment in time requires necessarily a signing because you've got Balogun coming through. You've also got John Jules coming back from loan who could, if we wanted to, provide even more depth to the team. And he's had a very decent season. I think a lot of people are sleeping on John Jules, actually. And he's better than people are giving credit for. I don't think he was on the level of Balogun's potential. I think he might turn into a bit of a, a kind of the Joe Willock of the striking area, maybe. And he might end up at a championship or Premier League club in the future. But it gives you that depth. We don't necessarily need, in my view, to bring in a striker this summer. Um, and I don't think the lack of change argument fits that position of the pitch. Uh, and then the other con is that we know what we have, which kind of links back to the last point as well, is that you know what you're going to get from Lacazette. Um, you know what he's capable of. You know what you can provide. I think he can give us a little bit more if we actually give them the chances and a run of games and consistency in the lineup. Um, and to be honest, I'd be picking him over a Bamiang at the moment in the striking position for the most of this season. And if you're asking me out of the two, who would be my starting striker for next season, it would be the Frenchman right now which says a lot about Aubameyang's season. But in the system that we're playing, we know that the coach is going to be here. We need a striker that's going to put the work, put the effort in, put the work in and, and really 
do what's needed for the team in terms of link-up play, and he, he does that. So I don't think that the the knowing what we have already and the desperate need for a new toy um, is necessarily a problem at all. Um, let's get your comments. Now, I haven't been looking at your comments in the chat box whilst doing it, so I have no idea what you said because I've been <laughs> going through the presentation. So let's uh, let's get your thoughts in the chat. Let me scroll up so I'm being fair. Uh, let's go to like eight minutes ago when we started talking about it. Here we go. Um, Noel says, Alexander Isaac would be gr a great long-term solution with decent medium-term impact. He's tall, quick for a big guy, good on the ball, and he's good in the box. Someone said this to me yesterday, Alexander Isaac. Obviously, Raul Sociedad are doing fairly well this season. I think they're sitting in the top six. Um, might even be fifth right now. I think this is probably like Atletico Madrid's hardest game the rest of the season. And Isaac will be a threat. But he's no better than Lacazette right now. He's really young, really early 20s. He's, he would give us no more, in my view, than Lacazette's going to give us. And he would block the path of Balogun more. So for me, whilst he's a good option for a team that wants a young striker, for our situation, I, I, I don't see the point in getting Alexander Isaac um, at all right now. He's no better right now than Lacazette is. He might be in the future, but so might Balogun. And so why spend the money needed to get Isaac, when you've already got someone that could be as good coming through at the club. Um, Captain Caramello says, it's simple. Lack of plays for the badge. He's a real leader and a mentor. Extend for one year. Change the bloody formation. Play two up top and it will suit Lacquer and Aubameyang and Martinelli much more. Interesting. That is an interesting point about Martinelli. Whilst I don't think he's an out-and-out -out striker, there is potential that he can play off of a striker. Um, similar to how I feel that Pepe can play off of a striker sometimes. Um, but... I don't know if we're going to play that system. Uh, Eduard being brought up as an example. Um, again, people talk about the risk, or I rather talk about the risk associated with giving Lacazette a new contract. There is a bigger risk giving Eduard a, a, a signing in the Premier League right now. It's a risk because you don't know what he's going to give you. You don't know what he's going to, how he's going to translate from playing against Scottish League strikers week in week out for one of the biggest teams in Celtic, uh, biggest teams in Scotland in Celtic, against Scottish League defenders to playing against Premier League defenders, and that goes for Ivan Tony as well at Brentford, transferring from a a Championship side to a Premier League side. I mean Watkins, his stats have considerably dropped off since making that move. So would Tony's. And I imagine so would Edouard's. Now, I'm not saying it's not me turning around saying if you turn around and said to me that Ed, Ed, we're going to sign Edouard, would, be would I be unhappy? No, because I'd be interested to see how it works out. And it's not an agenda against the guy. But what I am saying is that it's, it's, it's a big risk to put, to basically turn around to Balogun and say, we've given you this five year deal. We're going to go out and sign this 23, 24 year old striker, uh, maybe even younger than that. Um, bring him in and he's going to be our starting striker for the next five years after you've just signed a new deal. And he's coming from the Scottish League where he's been playing against very, very much lower opposition, no disrespect, but it's the fact of the matter that it is. I just don't, I don't see how people aren't picking up on that sometimes, that it's such a different situation. And then, and then they might go turn around, oh, but look how good Tierney's been for us. It's a completely different position. Playing left-back in the Scottish League and showing what he was about in the Scottish League with Tierney is, is so much different to a striker that goes up against defenders every single time, up against goalkeeping defenders of a completely lower level in comparison to the Premier League. It's just different. I mean, if we're being very honest, 
Tierney, we don't lord Tierney for his defensive abilities in the Premier League at all. We lord Tierney for what his actual style is about, running up the pitch and putting a cross into the box, which doesn't necessarily or is not necessarily too much impacted by who he's playing against. Whereas Eduard is very much impacted by who he's playing against, as is any striker that moves to the Premier League. So that is something that you need to be very careful about when using the statistics of Eduard, for instance. Um, let's go to uh, Balazs. As much as the work rate, are we forgetting the inconsistency of finishing and the chances that Lacazette has had? Rewind the season to before Christmas. He has, yeah. I mean, before Christmas, the entire team was awful, mate. Absolutely. The form of the team was down, confidence was down, and that period of the season has cost us overall. We could be much further up the league if we'd have picked up points. You look how close we are in the context of how bad our season has been to where we want to be. And if we hadn't have messed up so many games in the first half, where could we be right now? And the answer is certainly a lot higher up. Lacazette was part of that issue, as was the whole team. And during that period, the chances that he missed were very much, in my view, akin to a player in a team without absolute confidence. Second half of the season, Lacazette has been by far one of our better players, along with Smith Rowe, in the team. He's just been one of our better players. It's just a matter of fact. And if we hadn't have got injured against Fulham, I think it was, we really would have had a much better chance of going through against Villarreal. Um, we wouldn't have been playing with a false nine, that's for sure, in the first leg. And we gutted that we lost him. So that's a big deal for me. Um, Noel says, the line between striker and forwards is getting blurrier by the day. Wenger's are more inside forwards. So the talk around Gabby being an out-and-out striker is kind of irrelevant, which is fair enough. Um, let's scroll down to the bottom and get some more recent comments. Uh, Manoj says, pump the midfield to support our good slash great strikers. We don't have weak strikers. They just lacked supply for most of the season. Uh, Wilson says, why the hell is Lacazette being offered a one-year contract? For real? Really? I think we've talked through that, Wilson. So scroll back and, and read through why we're talking about this in this uh, sense. Uh, Kurt says, "The need uh, we need a target man, Tom against those lower teams. You have to look at the type of player, not the overall quality sometimes. Kurt, I would agree with you, but the problem is is that there are plenty of teams that don't use those types of strikers. And my view of the way that we are moving is that we don't necessarily have or necessarily need to have someone of that ilk. I mean, if you're and to, to find a striker that's not an out-and-out target man and anything else is really hard. It's really hard to find a striker that's going to give you that element of the game and not be so one-dimensional into that route um, on a really good kind of level. If you're telling me that you want to go out and sign someone on a free that is just a plan B and is going to sit on the bench and come off, that's fine. But you don't not offer Lacazette a one-year deal and still do that because that's completely different in my view. Bringing in a plan B type of striker, just like Spurs bringing in Llorente or Chelsea getting bringing on Giroud against us, that's different. But if you're looking for the alternatives to Lacazette, none of them are the, in my view anyway, they're not enough to that view to that level and that style of change that's going to make me change my mind on giving Lacazette a one-year deal. That's the situation for us. Uh, Social says Lacazette is fine. The guy isn't world class, but he is of a good. Uh, good enough quality I'd rather spend the money elsewhere and this is kind of the biggest thing for me um, is that I'd, I'd rather see us really push for an improvement in midfield at right back 
backup left back, goalkeeper, attacking midfield. That's where I want the money to go. That's where I think our issue has been. It's not necessarily the taking of chances. It's actually making the chances. We barely make chances during games. You could go off and get Lewandowski and put him in this Arsenal team. Our goals wouldn't drastically change because we're not creating enough for the strikers to actually get on the end of. We're not putting our strikers in the positions that they need to be in to score these chances. Arsenal's XG this season has been so embarrassing because we aren't creating anything. We're not doing anything. So it doesn't matter what strikers we talk about. The money needs to be invested into the areas that are going to increase the frequency of chances that our strikers get. People forget as well that we already have a Bamiang and we have Lacazette here. We have competent strikers. They're just not being given the chances. They have missed chances this season, granted. But they are highlighted so much more because we're not creating enough. If those misses were lost in a sea of chance after chance after chance, we wouldn't be talking about them anywhere near as much. But it's just because the very few chances we've created, they're having a poor season and they've missed them, especially Aubameyang. So look at the miss against Olympiacos, Benfica, uh, Slavia Prague. You look at the misses he's made in some of the other games. Um, they're big. But because we've created so few and he's having a poor season, it gets highlighted way, way much more. If we were creating as many chances as you look at Chelsea, you look at United, you look at City, and how many chances they create, even the likes of Leicester, like how many chances they create during games because they've got these creative players, even in the wide areas. If our system worked so that we were creating so much more, those misses would be lost within the amount of chances that we create for ourselves. So it's the striker is nowhere near even a priority for us this summer. It's like it's if you were to put a list of like the players that we need to upgrade upon, striker is n- not near the top for me. Nowhere near the top. Centre mid, right back, attacking midfield, a wide forward, arguably, maybe even a right centre back, a left centre back, a left centre back, a left back, backup, a goalkeeping backup, maybe even a starting goalkeeper as well. It's so far down. So to think that when we've got how much money we've got this summer, what we're going to do with it, spend that on the areas that really need the attention. Increase the volume of chances you're creating in the game. And in a couple of seasons' time, if Balogun really isn't showing it, then go get your striker. There might also be many more better options out there than there currently are. It's just not, for me, a position that I am putting loads of stock in. But do let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. If you are watching live, make sure you return to the video and put your thoughts and your comments. Please do explain them. Don't just go, I disagree, or I agree, or yes, sign him up, or no, get rid Explain your points. Tell me what you think. I do read through pretty much every single one of the comments. Um, so please make sure you leave your thoughts and feelings below. We're going to be back, of course, a little bit later on today. We've got our tactical breakdown of Joachim Anderson. We're also going to do a Let's Talk Arsenal show as well at some point during the day. And of course, I'll be back tomorrow morning once again at 8am always to give you all the latest Arsenal transfer information. Thank you ever so much for tuning in, people. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.